time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. How's it going, everybody? You guys good? How many of you guys went to desperation last weekend? Man, I loved it. Thank you for being there. That was an incredible weekend. Uh, how many of you guys going in July? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, we are way excited. It was Honestly, it was uh, a powerful weekend for me, and uh, for those of you that were unable to make it, try to make sure to come in July, it will be powerful again. Hey, we're starting a new series here tonight called DTR, and uh, discussing the world of relationships. How many of you guys have ever had a DTR? Anybody know what a DTR is? Define the relationship, you know, DTR. Basically, a DTR, that is when you've been hanging out with someone for far too long, and things get a little weird. And you're like, well, are we dating or are we not? That conversation that follows is the DTR. DTR sometimes are defining relationships. A lot of times it's a destroy the relationship. Anybody ever had a destroy the relationship conversation? Yeah, those are, uh, those are go a little bit different. I had a buddy who actually had a DTR one time. And uh, guys aren't the best at this whole DTR thing. Uh, he was trying to explain to this girl, like, they'd been hanging out and they started talking and he was like, he wanted her to know that he was interested in her, but as a dude, he started using car language. And, uh, I don't think it really went over well. He was like, listen, here's the deal. Sometimes, like, you're in the car and the car's on, the engine's revving, you just got to put it in gear. And, uh, I, I don't think she quite got what he was saying. I remember when uh, Amy, Amy's my wife, I've been married for two years, and uh, when we had our first DTR, because you have a number of them when you are dating, when we had our first one, I was so nervous afterwards. I remember I was driving my car, and I was at a stoplight, and I actually, I opened my door, and I threw up, because I was still so nervous after having this, this discussion with her, and so... Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about kind of the world of relationships, not just guys and girls. We're going to be talking about parents. We're going to be talking about friends. There's a lot of relationships that we all are a part of. We're going to be talking about the the world of relationships. But tonight, tonight, I am going to talk a little bit about guys and girl relationships and how that looks and what that looks like. And so uh, that should be fun. And uh, let's go ahead and pray and jump right in, okay? Jesus, we welcome you here tonight. Father, I pray that you will speak to each one of our hearts. God, even as we were just singing that you are jealous for us. God, let us know what that means. We love you. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open up 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Probably put it up here as well. 1 Timothy 4, 12 says this. We all know, probably know, all know this verse. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, life, love, faith, and in purity. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Some of you are like, all right, I'm uh, currently in a dating relationship. And he said he's talking about relationships tonight. And then he read a verse about purity I know it's coming my way, and some of you have already decided to stop listening to me simply because I'd say, I read a verse about purity. Well, just stay with me a little bit, 
Because I might say some stuff that you don't expect. Others of you are like, oh man, I got this thing down. I'm, you know, like, I'm in it. I'm not going to date until I'm married, you know, and that's a little difficult to do, but, but you know, like, so some of you are like, like that. And so you're like, I don't know. He's, he's not going to say anything tonight that's going to, that's going to impact me. Well, again, just stick with me for a little bit. I know a lot of you dudes, I read a verse with the word purity and a lot of guys are like, oh, here we go. The girl talk, purity. So somehow in our, in our culture, the word purity has become feminine. I'm going to tell you tonight, the purity is not feminine. And actually, if you think that the word purity is feminine, that's a a lie from the devil who has told you that that's a feminine thing. It is not. You know what Jesus said about purity? He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, he didn't say, blessed are the sweeties. He didn't say, blessed are the softies. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. See, purity has nothing to do with weakness. It's quite the opposite, actually. It's exactly the opposite. See, it is a war that we live in. We, we, we live, our culture is a massively sexual culture. We live in an oversexed culture. I don't have to tell you this. You know this. I mean, you know that everywhere you go, everywhere we go, whether it's TV, whether it's movies, the music we listen to, the books you read, the magazines you read, everything, there's sex everywhere. And it's this weird perspective from the world. And the world tells you what your sexuality is supposed to be. We have sex on everything we do. You can't, you can't drive down the road without seeing billboards. It's everywhere. And there's this, there's this thing within each one of us that, that we're told, you know, like I come to church and I'm told I'm supposed to be pure. And, and then I go and I see, I just see everywhere that there's just all these different things and the world's telling me to be this, and I don't know, and, and I just don't know if it's really possible for me to do what Paul said to Timothy. You know, Paul said to Timothy to set an example in purity for all the believers. And, and we've somehow, we've, we've made up this idea that it's not really possible because we're too bombarded. I remember when I was 10 years old, I, uh, I was at the store with my dad. And how many of you guys have ever done, uh, you know those things that like check your heart rate or your blood pressure or whatever and you stick your arm in and it like squeezes really tight and then your arm goes numb and then slowly it releases and it's so slow it's annoyingly slow and it's just like a little bit and you just feel blood and a little more and and it's just your arm you can't move it I was doing that when I was 10 years old at the store with my dad and I was like oh this is awesome this makes my arm go numb I want to, it, it, it tingles. It's crazy feeling, dad, can I do it? And he was like, sure. But we had to fill out some paperwork to do it. And uh, so I put my name, I was like, Dan Perkins, and I uh, put my age and I know whatever. And then, and then it asked for my sex. And uh, I looked at my dad and I was like, but dad, I have it. <laughs> and then my dad explained to me that that was uh, asking for my gender, not my experience. It was asking for a letter, not a number. And, uh, and so that, that, that helped me. But, but even at 10 years old, I was 10 years old. And, and I had this awkward moment with my dad. Where, because even then, I knew that sex was a part of the culture that we were living in. Even as, 10, as a 10-year-old kid, I, I knew that I had friends that were, that were doing stuff. And, and, and we live in a, in a culture where this is fed all the time. And, 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 and so I'm not saying anything new. I, I know that I'm not. I know that you all know this better than I do. I was watching TV this week. I do that sometimes. 
Dave doesn't, but I sometimes will. And uh, I was watching this show. It's like a cop police drama. And you know how TV shows have like two or three stories all going on at once? Two, or like two of the three stories were, were about sex in this show that was completely like a lawyer police drama. I flipped the station and there's some dumb show on about girls and a dead girl and lying and I don't know. And, and, and as they're talking, everything, every situation is, this is on like ABC Family. And, and every situation is about sex. I watched, there was a Target commercial. There was a Target commercial. Target. Anybody ever shopped at Target? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I'm excited about Target. That's great. There's a Target commercial. And on this Target commercial, it was this girl. She's telling the story. And she's like, I saw this guy. I made out with him. We went on a date. We went on a trip. We got married. We had a family. And I was like, that's a little weird. Here's this 30-second story. Let's, let's rewind. Let's look at the story she said. I saw a dude. I made out with him. Then we went on a date. Then we went on a trip. And then we went, got married. Doesn't that seem a little out of order to you? That's a little out of order. This 30-second TV commercial. Just subtly telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Subtly trying to get into your brain what's normal and what's not normal. I'm telling you, it's everywhere. You are bombarded by it. Sometimes it's subtle like that. Other times it's not so subtle. There's a group at a university that, uh, it's an atheist group. And so one of their campaigns they did is they set out a table. And what they did is they, they told everybody that if you will bring your Bible or your religious book, come bring it to us and we'll take it and we'll give you free porn. And so people were trading in their Bibles. They were trading in their, their any religious, any spiritual book and they were being given porn. They called it smut for smut. Friends, we live in a culture where they're trying to program the way you think. They have an opinion about what you should and shouldn't be doing. Again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say this as if this is new news to you. You're the ones that go to school. You know the conversations you have with your friends. You know what it's like. This isn't anything new. But I have good news for you. You don't have to give in to it. And you don't have to be the kind of person that lives the way that everywhere else, Hollywood or, or whoever makes the commercials, because I don't think they make them in Hollywood. You, know, or, you don't have to live the way that the magazine authors tell you. You don't have to live that way. And I'm telling you this not because this is the typical, like, oh, he's going to talk on purity, so he's going to bash, you know, our culture. No, 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 no. I'm telling you this because I've experienced in my life what it is to walk in freedom from that. I've seen in my friends' lives what it is to overcome those things. And so every one of us in this room, every one of us will be one of two things. You will either be a victim of the society that you live in, or you're going to be victorious over it. You're going to be either a victim that gives in to everything they tell you to be, that buys everything they tell you to buy, that believes everything they tell you to believe, or you actually have the opportunity to be victorious over all these things. Here's why this is important. There's a, there's a, a poll taken and uh, not from, not a Christian poll. This was just a, across the country, just a regular poll for people of all faiths 
about, about sexuality. And 80% of people said that after the first time that they did something, that they felt shame. 80% felt shame. I know that in a lot of your brains right now, everything in you is wanting to shut me up. Everything in you is, is like, I don't want to hear this again. I hear this all the time. But I also know that there are real struggles that you have. And there's days that you wake up with shame in your heart. There, there are real things that you're going through. And there's pain that you're experiencing already for many of you. And I don't want you to. And you don't have to. And so I'm not going to shut up. We're going to talk about this. I want to give, tonight I want to talk about four ways that you can be victorious over the culture that we live in. And you can be victorious in relationships, in, in, in terms of your purity. That you can be an example to all believers in purity. Do you believe that you can be? Some of you do. Do you believe you can be? Number one, if you want to be someone who is an overcomer, who is victorious in this area, first thing you got to do is you got to guard your heart. First Samuel 16, 7 says this, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, ultimately, as we're talking about purity tonight, and as we're talking about relationships tonight, your purity has very little to do with your actions. It starts in your heart. The actions are the overflow of your heart. But ultimately, we're not here trying to get you to be good people. Do you know that? I'm not here, I don't care if you're a good, nice person. I want your heart to be transformed by Jesus. And it's possible. So, God, God looks at the heart while the world looks at the outward appearances. And Colossians 2 talks about this. I'm going to read uh, 20 verse, uh, sorry, Colossians 2, 20 through 23. It says, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of this world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teaching about things that are gone as soon as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, humility, and severe bodily discipline. But they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. To some of us in here, we think that being pure in our relationships is setting up a bunch of rules. It's about doing a bunch of good things. It's about not doing a bunch of bad things. So we've made this checklist of do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. And I want you to know today that those things, those those checklists that you've made, I'm not bashing those. But that's not the point. The point isn't your checklist. The point is your heart. Because as you make up these rules, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, then all you're doing is you're delaying the inevitable if your heart isn't transformed by Jesus. If your heart isn't what Paul's talking about here, where you are connected to Jesus, he's the head and he's the one working in you. If it's, if it's not your heart, if you're just trying to impress people, then it, you'll fail. At some point, it's not going to work. And so as, as, I, as I want to talk about being victorious tonight, know that it starts at the heart level. It starts with the way we think, guarding your heart. The word that, they, that is used here, uh, actually Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it, is, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The word used here for guard is, is the word for blockade. It's like if I was to go give Dallas $100, 
and I was like, hey, will you guard this for me? What am I asking him to do? I'm asking him, I'm not asking him to like guard it like in basketball, like he's like in the, you know, position and he's like, this money is not going anywhere. That's not, no, I'm asking him to guard it from people that are coming to take it. See, when you talk about purity and what purity is, purity ultimately at its core is the idea of not being mixed with something else. If I had a bottle of water, which I would really love, uh, and, and, and let's say I had a bottle of water, and uh, none, none, uh, oh, perfect. Here's a bottle of water. This bottle has been, is three-fourths empty. But let's say that this bottle was completely full and unopened, and I gave it to you. You'd probably have no problem drinking it, would you? You'd be like, oh, let's see, Nestle Pure Life. Oh, it's not Arrowhead. That's good. I'll drink it, you know? And so then you drink it, and, and it's good. Let's say I opened it, and I just ah, took a drink. And then I was like, oh, would you like some? You want some water? Some of you would be like, you know, I'm good. You know, that's okay. Others of you would be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Let's say that I took Jonathan Miller's bottle of water. And I just spit in it. And then I shook it up real good. How many of you guys want to drink this? How many of you guys want to drink this? Yeah, not many of you want to drink this right now. The idea of not being pure is the idea of mixing the heart that Jesus gave you with the world. And and we've been contaminated by people. Here you go, buddy. By people getting in and, and, and we've allowed the world's concepts to get into our heart and mix with it. And that's the idea that, in, in, as it says, to guard your heart is to guard your heart, is to blockade things from coming. Blockade to keep things out, to keep the world from coming and contaminating your heart. Guys, let me tell you that I think that the number one way you do this is your thought life. That's what it talks about in Colossians. It talks about that, that mere rules have no ability to overcome the way you think. Has no ability to overcome a person's evil thoughts and desires. Your thought life is really important. How you think. So guys, what does that mean? What's a way that you protect your thought life? That means that you, protect, that means you ahead of time plan. You know what? I, I'm going to, like Job in Job 31, where he says, I make a covenant with my eyes not to look on a young woman lustfully. You guys, you've decided I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes because if I see something, then I know it's going to mess with my thoughts. And it might, it might not lead to actions right away, but eventually it may. It means that, guys, you've determined, you know what? I'm not going to allow the girls to drape themselves all over me and hold my hand when we're just friends because I think that, that, that ultimately that's going to cause my emotions to be invested in. And there might be some confusion there. And so I don't even want to do that. So I'm going to, ahead of time, I'm going to make, make sure that that doesn't happen. For you ladies, let me tell you some stuff you can do. I see no reason... Let me tell you, I won't even, I won't blame you. I'll just say, I was 17 years old. I was in high school. And there was a a group of girls in the back of the room. So I was like, oh, a group of girls. I should go hang out with them. And so I went and I sat down. I was like, what are you guys doing? And they were like, oh, we're just looking at bridal magazines. And I was like, oh, well, who's getting married? What do you mean who's getting married? None of us, but look at this dress. It's so nice. Listen, girls, you want to protect your mind? Stop looking at bridal magazines. Stop fantasizing about something that you can't have right now. Something that, that is a, a daydream about the future. 
Stop looking at guys and being like, hmm, I wonder what he would be like if we hung out all the time by ourselves. That's not a good way to, to protect your mind. Let's guard your heart. First off means guarding your mind and the way you think. And you know what the Bible says? It says to take every thought captive. So some of you are like, but I can't help what I think. You know, who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. Well, that's fine. Every time your thought just appears, take it captive. That's what the Bible says to do. Okay, this thought came to my mind. Jesus, I don't want that thought. This, is this of you or is this of me? Oh, this is totally just me being dumb. Okay, I, you know, I guarantee you if you do that, those thoughts are going to slow down. It's not going to be coming all the time like they are right now. So first thing is guard your heart. There's another thing to do. When you put yourself, when, you, when you're surrounded by things that are going to contaminate your heart, run like junk. Get out of there. Let me read some Bible verses for you. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee from sexual immorality. 2 Timothy 2, 22. This is Paul writing it to a young man, Timothy. He, here's what he says. Flee also from youthful lust. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call the Lord out of a pure heart. Paul looks at Timothy and he's like, uh, dude, here's what you need to do. You need to flee from your youthful lusts. But you don't just flee, you actually need to pursue righteousness. And you know the best way to do that is to do it with other people that are pursuing righteousness. This is the, the picture that I get. How many of you guys ever heard of Joseph? Anybody ever read the story of Joseph? You know Joseph in the Bible, a coat of many colors. You know, really cool in the 80s and then again today, you know. Joseph, I, I like the picture of Joseph because Joseph did this. Joseph was, uh, he was a son. His brothers threw him in a pit. They wanted to kill him. Then one was like, no, we shouldn't kill him. So they were like, let's sell him. So they sold him. So they sold him to, these, to this caravan of people. And then the caravan of people were like, hey, we should sell him too. So they sold him. And then there he was. And, and he's in this dude named Potiphar's house. And uh, Joseph is faithful. He's a faithful servant. And so he's, he's kind of worked his way up to the top. And so he gets to be the, the servant in the house. He's kind of the secondhand man. And Potiphar's wife starts to take notice of Joseph. And she kind of, she's like, this is a good looking guy. So she starts to hit on Joseph. And she keeps hitting on Joseph. And Joseph is denying her like crazy. And she's like, hey, Joseph. And he's like, oh, no, no. Yeah, he didn't like cougars. You know, he's like, no, thank you. So there he is. One day, Potiphar's wife comes in and she just grabs Joseph. And what does Joseph do? He runs. He's not like, oh, can you just let go? No, we're going to, can we talk about this? I'm not comfortable in this such situation. Maybe we should talk about this. Yeah, I don't know what we should, oh, oh uh, you, no, no. No, he runs out of there. He's like, I'm getting the heck out of Dodge. He runs, he grabs his coat, he runs out. See, fleeing from sexual immorality, it's not like you're running. Here's the thing, it's not running out of fear. Oh no, the sin. No, it's running with purpose to something else. Joseph was running with purpose away from Potiphar's wife and to, towards righteousness. So when, we say to, when I say run like junk, I'm not saying to, to oh no, the big bad sin is going to get me. No, I'm saying, I don't want this. This is not for me. I'm going to run with purpose somewhere else. Get out of there. So when you, when you encounter, when you're in a situation where you encounter, and, and, and it's kind of, you know, you're, you're driving down the road and you look up and, and you see a billboard. It's as simple as that. What do you do right in that moment? Okay, Jesus, I'm going to take this thought captive. I don't want to see that. And I'm going to avert my eyes. Fortunately, you're driving, so you're already past it. 
so you can drive out of there. But it's getting out, and it's not that you're like, oh no, I'm so scared. It's that you're getting out, you're running with purpose away. Number three, the third way to be victorious in in a sexual society is to have a plan. It's to have a plan. I'm going to talk specifically, there's a lot of plans that you need to have. Um, Some of you need to have a plan for how you're going to spend your post 11 p.m. time. Some of you need to have a plan for how you're going to, uh, to spend your, your internet time. Some of you need to have a plan with what you're going to read. But I want to talk real quickly about having a plan when it comes time for you to actually be in a relationship. Where you're dating somebody with the purpose of possibly marrying them. You need to have a plan in order to escape the lies of this world that are going to try to drag you down. You know, interestingly enough... Uh, there's an age limit for almost everything in America. Do you know you have to be 13 years old? You're supposed to be 13 years old to have a Facebook page. Do you know you have to be 14 years old in order to get a job? You have to be 15 years old to try out for American Idol. You have to be 16 years old in order to get a driver's license. You have to be 17 years old in order to join the military. You have to be 18 years old in order to vote. You have to be 19 years old in order to join the NBA. There's age limits for anybody. Oh, this is, this is stuff that I go through. I'm just telling you things that I have to worry about, like joining the NBA. There's age limits for everything. And yet we tell young people, oh, date, whatever, no big deal. Yeah, do what you want. You know, as, as young as you want. You got 10-year-olds running around holding hands. You got 13-year-olds walking around in school, hanging all over each other. No big deal. Yeah, whatever. And then you have... Teen pregnancy. You, you, you know friends at your school that no longer go to your school because they're having kids. You got people that are, that, that at a young age, as a teenager, have STDs. Do you know when I was a kid, I think people did have STDs then too. But when Dave was a kid, they didn't even know what that was. <laughs> Listen, first off, here's the thing. When it comes time for you to maybe start entering into a relationship. Dating, it's not for kids. All right? There's a maturity that you have to have about yourself. And there's a good way for you to know if you're mature or not. Number one, it's not for kids. Number two, be under authority. If your parents don't think it's a good idea for you to be dating, it's not a good idea for you to be dating. If you're if you don't have parents that are involved in your life or if you don't have parents that, that, want, that, that want to fight for your purity, then you need to find someone in authority, a pastor, a teacher, someone who's going to, to, to lead you and say, yeah, I think this is good. This is of God. This is right. Or no, you know, maybe not. I think that this is you being dumb and having lots of emotions and lots of testosterone or estrogen right now. You know, but, but be under authority. It, it, when it comes time for you to maybe enter into a relationship, you need, to, you need to be under authority. Thirdly, you need to have accountability. This is where your friends do come in. You need to surround yourself with people. This is what Paul said to Timothy, to run with purpose with people. You need to surround yourself with people that love God and love you and want your highest good. You should only date when it comes time. You should only date people that you actually believe you can marry. When I was 17 years old, a lot, of ha- a lot happened when I was 17 years old. I keep telling stories. When I was 17 years old, I started dating a girl. And uh, I remember having conversations with my mom. And uh, she was like, hey, so I guess you have a girlfriend. And I was like, oh, yeah. And uh, she was like, well, I just want you to know that 
dating this girl now is going to eventually impact who you end up marrying. And I was like, ma, you don't know what you're talking about. Because isn't that always how we respond? Mom, no, no. Listen, listen, I kid you not, this is my words. I was like, mom, listen, I'm a junior in high school. I'm going to date this girl for like three months and break up with her. No big deal. I, yeah, that's serious. I hope she's not watching. Two years later, two years later, we were still dating. This is a girl that from day one, I was like, listen, I'm not like marrying this girl. I'm just going to date her for a little bit. I'm in high school. Why not? Listen, I, what, how I longed that I had listened to my mom at that time. Because that's two years of both of our lives that we can't take back. That's two years of me spending a lot of time with someone that I don't spend the rest of my life with. That's a waste of time. So, only date someone who you think you could marry. I'm not telling you that you are going to marry every person you date. That's not what I'm saying. But if you couldn't marry them, then what's the point? There is no point. Secondly, I have a lot of, I I go out and have a lot of meetings with guys and they're like, oh, I just, man, you know, like I need a girlfriend. I want a girlfriend so bad. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And I'm, I start asking them some questions. I'm like, so how old do you want to be when you get married? And they're like, oh, I, man, I want to be like, like 25, 25. I'm like, oh, that's good. That's good. How, how, how long do you think you should be engaged? Oh, man, like at least six months to plan a wedding, you know, like I know the girl's going to do it, but I should give her six months. That's cool. How, how long would you like to date this girl before you, you, you know, get engaged? Oh, man, I think it takes, like, a good two years before, before we can, you know, really move to that level. And I'm like, okay, how old are you? Uh, I'm 19. Oh, that's great. So you have no business dating until you're 23, right? Oh. <laughs> but seriously, don't waste your time. If it's, if, and now some of you are like, oh, this is great. I like this math. I'm, I want to get married at 18 so I can start dating at 13. That's not what I'm saying here. <laughs> But don't, don't, this is, yeah, see, there's no good if you do that. But here's the deal. You need to be under authority. You need to be in accountability. And you need to be purposeful. So some of you guys in this room tonight are dating somebody that you shouldn't be dating. Some of you, it's not even, I'm not even telling you that it's bad. I'm not, I'm not even telling you that you have like this unhealthy, really wrong relationship. I'm just telling you, you're wasting your time. And ultimately, one day, you probably will marry somebody else, and you'll have to explain why you wasted your time now and why you got baggage that you don't need. That's not a conversation you want to have. I promise. I had to have it. You know, one of the best testimonies of my life is that my wife came with no baggage. I love the fact that my wife came with no baggage. She didn't date anybody but me. Actually, one of the first conversations I can remember having with her uh, we were discussing the idea of dating and she was trying to convince me of the idea of the one and that there's one person that you're going to marry and that you're supposed to marry. And I was trying to convince her of the good, better, best idea. And ultimately, because I married the best one possible, we both ended up being right. You know what I'm saying? But, but not joking, but seriously, I love the fact that my wife didn't date anybody else. I had, to t- I had to bring my baggage, but she didn't have any baggage. You can have that testimony, many of you. 
So, and right now you're looking at it, you're like, oh man, I feel like a loser. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a boyfriend. Oh man, I just need it. I just need it. And that's the problem. Do you hear the whininess in your voice? Because ultimately, the only reason you want to date right now is for how you feel. The only reason you want to date right now is so that you feel good, so that you look good, so that you get, so that people think that you're cool or whatever. It has nothing to do with them. It has nothing. Do you know that love is passion for someone else's highest good? You don't love her if you're only dating her because it makes you feel good. Some of you need to get over yourself. And realize that it's okay that you've never dated before. It's actually a great story. And those of you that are dating, I'm not trying to bash you and say, oh, sorry, you're hosed because you got baggage. That's not what I'm saying. But you need to start making right decisions today. Here's the last thing. We need to walk in God's grace. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Listen, the truth is, is that we live in a culture where they're trying to tell you that you need to be sleeping around right now. That it's okay for you to, yeah, you're just making out. No big deal. You're in high school. That's fine. That they're telling you that girls, you need to dress a certain way. They're telling you guys, you need to, you need to act a certain way. And it's easy to look at, at, at the verse where Paul tells Timothy to be an example in purity and be like, it's not possible. I can't do it. There's too much pressure all around me. You don't know the world I live in. It's so much harder today. It is. But guess what God's promised you? There's nothing that you will face that you cannot overcome. There is nothing, there's no temptation that will seize you that he will not give you the grace to overcome and a way out. So you don't have to get, so, so you want to say that today is the hardest time to be alive? Great. I'll tell you that you have the greatest opportunity for testimony than ever before. You have the greatest ability to say, I didn't give in when it was the hardest. God gave me the grace to get through it. That can be your story. Jesus, in, in, when he was teaching us to pray, Matthew six thirteen, he said, he, he said that when we pray, we should pray, lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. Listen, we'll face temptation. You're going to face difficulty. But when we see it, we look to God, we take our thoughts captive, we pray to Jesus, I don't want to be in this. When temptation comes, it's not going to destroy you. It's actually going to make you stronger. Because what you feed, you grow a hunger for. And so as you feed this this desire, and as you feed this, this, the, the impurity in your heart, you're going to want more of it. But do you know that every time you say no to impurity, you're going to actually grow a hunger to live righteously? And that you don't have to give in to this world. And you don't have to give in. And, and here's, what I, here's what I'm telling you tonight. Everybody looks at you. Everybody looks at you and says, oh, so sad. This is, it's a, such a hard time to be alive. Pornography is everywhere. It's more accessible than ever before. You know, oh, surely you don't have a chance. You know, you, you, know, you should, it's okay. Just date while you're young and whatever. And people are going to make excuses for you like crazy here. Here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to make an excuse for you. I'm actually going to tell you. Let me, if anything, let me embolden you tonight to righteousness. Because you can do it. And so when the world's telling you what you have to be like, you don't have to. 
So when the world is telling you, oh yeah, that whole righteousness thing, that whole purity thing, that's for the wimps, that's, for, that's, so, that's, that's so lame. No, no, that's for the fighters. That's for those that have mission. That's for those that run with purpose. And that can be you. I'm talking tonight about being victorious over sin, victorious over impurity. And ultimately, friends, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a heart issue. Your heart needs to be right before Jesus. And he's the one that empowers you to do it. As you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail. As you try to do it on your own, it's going to be this, this up one day, down another thing. But tonight, you can surrender it and you can say, Jesus, I want what you said. I want you to place in my, your heart in my heart. And I want your grace in me to overcome. Go ahead and stand. I want to pray for some of you tonight. I want to invite uh, DLA and the furnace. If you guys can go ahead and come down front. I just want these guys to pray for those of you tonight that, that want prayer. I said earlier that, that 80% of non-Christians experience shame from some kind of sexual sin. They probably wouldn't call it sin, but some kind of sexual activity. I know that tonight there's some of you that, that are hurting or have been hurt. I know that there's some of you that are victims to this culture, not because of anything you've done, but because of what people have done to you. There's some of you in this room tonight that, that you're saying, you know what, I feel like I've lived in purity. And I want to, I, I, I'm, I'm 15, 16, 17. And I want to continue that all through my teenage years into my, I want to, I want to be able to, to, to walk in, in, into my marriage pure. There's some of you that are like, you know what? Truth is, is I haven't been victorious. There's some of you that have lived in addiction. There's some of you that have given in to, to different things that, that where you're making out or you're, you're sleeping with your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever it may be. And you want to stop that tonight. And you want to stand on the promise that nothing will have seized you that you cannot overcome. And you want to you say, okay, Jesus, tonight I want your grace. And I want to give, I want to re-sign up again tonight. So if, if any of you are in any of that, those fields, or, or if there's just something else that I'm not covering, and you want one of these people to pray for you, I want, you, I want them to pray for you specifically tonight. And I want, the, I, want you to be, I want you to be honest with them. This is not a time to like, pull back and try to sugarcoat it. Man, listen, every one of these guys standing up here, they got stories. They've been through life. They're not going to look down on you based on your story. So they're going to be available here as we play. But I just want, if you are saying, you know what, ultimately, I want to live victoriously. And I've been a victim for too long, but I want to live victoriously in this area, whether, whatever it may be. I, I want to pray for you tonight. So if that's you, if you're, if you're saying, I want to live victorious, I want you to just go ahead and put your hands out like this. And I want to pray for you. Jesus, I pray for every one of us tonight that are asking to be victorious, that want to be victors in this area. 
that want to live a life of purity and devotion to you, for you. God, I pray that tonight you will give them strength. God, I pray that tonight you will download grace into our heart. God, I pray that tonight you will, you will give each one of us your heart. May there be a hatred for sin in us, God. God, I pray for every one of us here tonight that are covered in shame. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will lift that tonight. Your word says that those who look to you are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. God, I pray for every person at TSM. May we look to you. May our faces be radiant. May shame be lifted tonight. God, for those that are bound in addiction, I pray for freedom. God, for those that have been wounded, I pray that you will heal them. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their stools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.